Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I'm your host, Richard Geiger. With me for this episode is our co-host, Ken Seymour, and special guest, Jared Thompson from The Comedy Attic here in Bloomington, Indiana. We are going to be featuring part two of our top ten comedians. I should say top ten living comedians. We've already done in part one of our episode, uh, let's call it the the bottom ten, six through ten, and we're going to be kicking it off right off the bat with number five from Jared. So have a listen and enjoy. Thank you. That's so awesome. my number five comedian um, is actually, so four of my top five are on our Mount Rushmore of comedy that we have. So we made like nice. a, we made the actual Mount Rushmore of comedy. And um, this is the first one of that. It, it, it's on our pint glasses and, and we put it on our menus and stuff. We don't sell them because we don't own the rights, but so T- Todd Glass is my number five. And he is, there are two people in comedy that if, Basically, they make the rules of stand-up. And it's Andy Kindler and Todd Glass. Mm-hmm. They are basically, we call them mom and dad. And they're who, if I ever have a technicality question or like, I remember one time I called Andy to see if, you know, like men are not allowed to wear shorts on stage. But I called to ask Andy while we were in the middle of a podcast like this, we called him live and we're like, can women wear shorts? And he said, Absolutely. So it's now in the bylaws of comedy that you, that women can wear shorts on stage. But with Todd, so Todd Glass is, I remember speaking of Sandler, not that we were talking about him just now, but the first time that Todd ever came to the club, we went to the, we went to the uh, Irish lion or no, whatever the place is next door. What is that place called? Oh yeah. I'm going to feel terrible about not getting the name of this one. I I should know it, but I don't know. It's it's the it's just a right. It's the it's the food bar right next door, yeah. and they have average food or whatever. <laughs> and we're in there, and um, I his phone is right there. It's my second me snooping on someone's phone story, but I said, "Let me have your phone," and he was like, "All right." And I was like, "I want to call the most famous person I can find in your phone." <laughs> And Adam Sandler was in there. And so I call and he answered and he just said, Todd, what's up? And I was just like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have the wrong number. And I hung up. And and so he had to like, he had to text them back and be like, I'm sorry. That was really weird. But so they, so Todd is such an interesting story in comedy because his best friends are Sarah Silverman and used to be really close with Louie. Um, but he's like one of the most connected people. And the reason they had Sandler in his phone is because, uh, happy Madison was actually, um, they produced the pilot of his show called Todd in a coma. Oh, and the whole, the show was Todd was literally in a coma and each episode was one of his famous friends coming by and sort of seeing him in the hospital. And then the episode is something that happened between them like one of the things I believe was like, um, I think the pilot had um, uh, Jim Gaffigan and Todd is like, is uh, 
jogging and Gaffigan comes out of his house uh, in his robe and they're just shooting the shit outside of, of uh, his house. And someone c- comes by and they're like trying to get Jim Gaffigan to, to say hot, hot pockets. Like the whole, the whole bit is, and this is something that happens all the time. If you're hanging out with comedians and people will go up to them and just be like, T- tell me a joke or whatever. It's like, people are just so stupid, you know? And so, and so the show actually, it, it was, it was greenlit and was supposed to happen. And then I think what happened was T- TBS ended up firing the head and they ended up making the, um, uh, the Frank Caliendo show instead. I think it was called Frank T- TV. Right. And um, yeah. so they never made the show. But Todd is, I mean, again, I know I've said this a lot, but just the most gifted comedy mind, I can't even explain it. Like, Well, he has a sharpness when he's on stage. He, he'll kind of laser focus on something. And I mean, he's, he, and he, it's like you, you could just, he really could just improv the entire show and it would be just as good as if he told any of the jokes that he knows. Cause he's just an off the cuff, funny person. Um, so, and then my honorable mention here, I'm going to say Jen Kirkman, hmm. my honorable mention here. Very nice. All right. So I've got a, I've got a good one here. Um, <laughs> we might have just mentioned this person. Uh, Jim Gaskin. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, another Indiana boy, uh, another Indiana boy, and uh, when you talk about the, the silliness, but when you talk about, like, the silliness and some of the other folks I've talked about, like I said, which is, like, the potty humor or, like, the toilet humor, like, you don't get any of that from Jim Gaffigan, but you get the silliness, and you get, it's, it's a very, very clean uh, comedy act that has its own like he he's the, he's got this presentation I don't know it's his voice I think yeah. is, is part of it right uh, and it's his presentation and it's his presence and everything and then a little bit of it's the physical aspect of it as well like when he when he has these faces that he makes every time he delivers something it's I, I don't know maybe maybe it's because he's from Indiana, maybe it's because he's from the Midwest that his humor kind of resonates more with me or the folks around us. But I don't know. I just think he's uh, pretty funny and he's done a really good job in his maintaining his presence in his in, in his like lane, I guess you could okay. say. There's nothing wrong with being able to have an entire set about food pretty much and still make it funny and, and accessible. Yeah, he's on my top twenty for sure. Uh, he's he's kind of awesome and just seems nice. Um, yeah. My my number five is I like to think of him as like a, a comedian's comedian. Um, he is he is somebody I have yet to see live. I've seen several specials and, and a variety of other things, but I've I've kind of always wanted to see him live and haven't gotten the opportunity yet. And that's uh, David Tell. Um, he is. He is just hilarious. If you haven't had a chance to see uh, Bumping Mics uh, on any of the streaming services, it's it's great. He was on um, 
Uh, he had a couple of great shows back back when Insomniac and uh, Comedy Underground, um, and and he's just he's got a crowd work that is is really second to none. Uh, being able to to just kind of riff off of things and and delivers it with kind of a dry, sarcastic kind of a thing that that gets me every time. I, I love I love his stuff to death. Uh, skanks for the memories is can, when you say well you're so you're right he is definitely like a comics comic i mean he does draw typically speaking when you say someone's a comics comic it's usually like an andy kindler where they don't draw like that's what they're known for is that like the back of the room quote quote unquote loves the the joke now he certainly draws but uh, you know he, that album would be sort of listed among modern history's best albums. Yeah. Um, so my number four uh, is uh, another person who's on the Mount Rushmore uh, of our of our our glass, and that's Tig Notaro. Oh, hilarious! Um, she is. Uh, she actually opened the first limestone. She has a, actually a very rich history with Bloomington. Um, I remember in 2008, maybe, maybe it might've been 09, like early 09. I was watching someone else's clip on YouTube. I don't even remember who it was, but that's kind of how I used to book when we first opened. I would just be like, who's funny? And just like open my laptop, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so I was watching God knows what, and it was like, I don't remember if I clicked on it or if it just sort of auto started one of her most famous bits. And I was like, this is fucking great. Like, I don't understand how, how have I never heard of her? How do I, what is going on here? So, so much so that like, when I went to her website, like her, like, I thought it was like her phone number was on there, but it actually ended up being her manager. Who's still her manager, Hunter Seidman. He answered and he was like, you want to book Tig for a comedy club? Like, what are you talking about? Like she actually, when she first started out in, in <laughs> Mississippi, she did sort of like the Southern comedy circuit. And you can imagine it didn't really go very well. And so she started to do like living room shows and just sort of off kilter stuff that she kind of is, is known for. So I brought her to the club in like early 2009 and the owners of S Secretly Canadian, who I know, like the re record label that's here in town, and, and, and I know both of the owners, they came to the show and I was like, what are you guys, why are you here? Like, what's going on? How do you, what are, why this show? And they're like, oh, so Tig actually opened for Jens Lechman, which is one of our artists in like wherever, somewhere overseas. And so we met her back then and we just came to say hi. Well, so they came to the show. The show was phenomenal. There was probably 10 people there. And they signed her to their label that night. So she came back to Bloomington and recorded her first album here. And actually Sarah Silverman was on the show and Todd Glass was on the show. And we did the album re release party for her first album. And she then came back again another time to the club. And then she opened Limestone our first year. And when you talk about someone that can make a joke about a piece of paper, a really great example of Tig is she did a, she has a bit where she just moves a chair. That's the whole joke. 
<laughs> she's just moving a chair and like the crowd doesn't know that that's it. So they, it's funny be, because she just keeps doing it and it becomes the joke. It's, and that's exactly like that last 20 seconds of what I just said personifies the comedy attic better than anything else is that you don't have to call a woman fat in the front row. You don't have to make, you don't have to make a person feel bad for being themselves in order to be one of the most gifted comedians on earth. And that's sort of the running theme throughout my whole thing here is that you, you really don't have to do that to be good at comedy. So, uh, my, so I'm going to say, um, this is funny because he's probably known as the, as the best stand up comedian alive right now. But my honorable mention is John Mulaney. <laughs> anyway, nothing wrong with uh, that. So. T- uh, Tig has a, has a great, uh, recurring role on uh, star Trek discovery. Uh, yeah. which is yeah, just, yeah, yeah. just, she does a great job with that. Um, yeah. so Mr. Geiger, we're, we're into the top four. Where, where are we going with this? Okay, so this is probably one that, uh, based on his material, Jared's probably not going to be a huge fan of. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I have Norm MacDonald on here. No, I, he's great. No, 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 no. No, sir. He is fantastic. One he, of the best stand-ups ever. He's awesome. His, he, he is so, his, his delivery, for one thing, it just cracks me up, but his jokes are so, they're so dad jokes, <laughs> but like, but not, you know, it, it's, it's hard to, it, it, he doesn't, he doesn't pull punches either. Like he, he will go in terms of, in terms of who he will quote, go after. It doesn't matter. Like he's got no 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 barriers in a sense now he doesn't it's not like he's delivering f-bombs stuff like he can that's not true but like that's not the jokes are just so they're adult they're adult bad jokes they're they're inconspicuous yes and growing up and seeing him on saturday night live when he did his um the when he was the the news the I'm sorry the anchor piece the weekend update he was on there for so long and when I was that age when they were on he was never funny his stuff was never funny it was it was just not funny to me at all and it was like I I wish there was somebody else doing this and then as I grew up and watched them again, I'm like, these are so hilarious. Why was I not paying attention to his jokes? It's just so, I don't know. He, it's so funny that you say this because sorry to, sorry to stop you there, but I was going to say what I'm getting ready to say when you said Letterman, but there's a, there's a, a very, there's a, an extreme uh, amount of overlap in their sense of humor. And what I mean mm-hmm. by that is, is that, the number one on purpose, the number one in the top 10 list was on purpose, not funny. And they both, I feel like that they both, and, and a lot of the top 10 lists on Letterman was, was like that too, where it was like, you knew that you 
weren't going to roll on the floor laughing probably 75% of the time. But when he sort of pulls the rug out and it is extremely funny, it's so much more funny. And they, they honestly both are, are uh, Andy Kaufman yeah. d- disciples and they both understand that it doesn't have to be the easy way every single time. Sometimes there's lifting to be done to get to a certain point. And, um, but I, I love both of them for that. And, and I think that it's important and they have both paved the way for, in a lot of ways, sort of the Babe Ruth or Lou Gehrig of the comedy attic is Andy Kaufman or even Letterman or Norm Macdonald. Um, they are why Rory Scoville is able to be who he is. And so, yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's definitely a good number four pick. I had a hard time getting up towards my top four. Uh, I could almost interchange any of the top four um, in the level that I appreciate their humor. But let's go with uh, number four with being Patton Oswalt. Um, he has a very conversational style in the way that he delivers jokes, but he can he can shift gears. He can he can deliver like a normal stand up comedian, or he can go into storytelling. He can do crowd work. He's very versatile in how he does things. But his stories are so good. It's just the the story about the uh, the the magician comedian that he has that that is so mad about not getting paid the right amount of money by $5 that he ruins the set. The story about the the uh, the clown the, the, that was just not very good at the children's show. Any of those stories that he tells just are able to connect on so many different levels. And he he is just hilarious. And it seems like, I mean, it seems like he could, in a lot of ways, be the way to kind of link people together in trying to understand each other if they could just kind of get past some of uh, seeing people in the way that they do because he, he kind of he can show the commonalities in, in a way that a lot of other comedians can't and it's just great and, and I feel like he's a I was gonna say I feel like he's a um, like your your interest peaks or like if you're if it's a TV show for example and he's in it yep he's not generally the star he's in there for a thing but like when he's in there he brings a new life or he pops like his yeah. him being there brings life to whatever that thing is and i feel like that's on stage too maybe i'm missing yeah um speaking of the four people that i've ever been starstruck by uh having met them through the comedy attic uh Patton, uh the morning of the second limestone, he, he was headlining the opening show. And that morning, it, it was probably like 10 a.m. because so, so seven in uh, LA, my phone rings and it's a 323 or 3310 number, I don't remember. And I answer it, I figure it's an agent or, and I'm the first thing I'm thinking is this is bad because someone is having to cancel, you know, you typically don't want to answer the phone if it's a 310 or 323 number when you have an LA comic coming that day. (laughs) I answer the phone and it's Pat. And he was just like, I just want to let you know that I'm boarded and I'll, I'll I'll see you in a little while. And I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) So, but even crazier than that, I'd never met this guy in my life. And he had 
not too long before that had just mentioned the comedy attic on uh, the late show, just talking about great comedy clubs, having never been to the comedy attic, he brought us up then. So he, um, he had just maybe the weekend before that been in Chicago. And so I went like most of the time is you, you know, I'm sure people know this. Like I usually send comedians up to the airport to pick people, you know, to pick up people. I sent a car service up for, for him, but I p- picked him up to take him to the buzzer. And he gets into my car and he says, let me see it. And I was like, what? And he was like, your tattoo, let, let me see it. So I'm thinking because he was the star of Ratatouille that he wants to see my up t- tattoo. So I'm thinking that like he's friends with all the P- Pixar people and somehow he, who I don't I don't know. And he was like, "Oh, that's awesome." But no. Where's uh where is where is excuse me, where is Roger e- Ebert? So I have Roger <laughs> Ebert on my left arm. Fantastic. And he had just done Ebert Fest. And Chaz Ebert told him that I had this. I think Doug Benson told her. And so he want he it's like he's also the only other person alive that likes Robert, you know, likes him enough to get a t- tattoo of him. And, um, you know, this just goes to show that, like, my depth of knowledge is far more in movies than it is anything else, as we probably d- discussed on the first time. <laughs> but um, and. Patton didn't make my list, unfortunately, but um, my number three comic is the one I was mentioning um, who works on The Daily Show, and it's Roy Wood Jr. Oh, he's awesome. Who is probably the best. I have to say that my my top two are, if, if you were to put a gun in my head and say, who is the single funniest stand-up comedian living right now? I think it's Roy Wood Jr. And what I mean by that is, is that he's just, he's at a point right now in his career that you don't, you don't get to very often in your career and maybe don't get to it again later. And he's just the funniest person that you can see on stage right right now. And, you know, we've had kind of, I'll be the first to admit, and this is a, a, a sort of a important time to mention this. We have not had a great, history with having black people on our stage and some of it is um a lot of like big name black comedians um can make a shitload of money on the road playing rooms that have a lot of black people that will go see the show and so when we've tried to do stuff with people it's been it's not been good like we've had Dion cole here who's one of is just a great comic yeah, he's funny and there's no one at the shows even when T- Tiffany Haddish was here, like we had tickets for the show, like for the Friday late show, like on Thursday, like it's just t- totally insane. She was supposed to be in sh- Chicago, like three weeks later had sold out 11 shows that far in advance. Right. So some of it is just Bloomington, just for whatever reason, isn't attracted to black comedians. I don't know why that is, but Roy is someone who has been coming to Bloomington for a long time. He's had sort of like three careers. He started out making these phone prank albums. Right. I forgot about that. And, 
but just one of the, I mean, just someone that I can't even begin to tell you how great he is on stage and just the amount of, of, or the, the effortlessness of it. Um, and he's also someone that has never gotten his due on a national level. Like he's known people know him, but he's, he is an undervalued, uh, underappreciated comic. My honorable mention here is going to be James, uh, James, James Adomian, who is the best, uh, the best impressionist in comedy and a, just a super gifted comic. Nice. All right, number three, Richard. Number three, okay, so this one has an asterisk, which will be explained later. But for number three, I have Jerry Seinfeld. Um, he Wait, who? Is who? Jerry Seinfeld. No, I don't know. I don't know who that is. <laughs> um, he, some guy. Tattoos. I have, I have the hairline of, of the four of them on my arm, right underneath Roger Ebert. So nice. anyway. Yeah, he's, so like I said, there's a, there's an, an asterisk with this, but Jerry Seinfeld is just really his, when they say a comedy about nothing, it's really about everything and nothing at the same time. And obviously he made his, he made his, he was up and coming as a stand up comedian. So he had to, he had to have these stories and deliver this in some form or fashion before he became famous from his show. Um, and everybody knows him from his show. Um, but he, he has the, uh, if you, if you've seen the comedian cars getting coffee, uh, Obviously, he just has these one-on-one discussions with a lot of people. You know, David Letterman was on there. David Letterman yeah. looked—he had his, his gigantic beard and everything on there. And like they just have these <laughs> discussions, which um, it's—I feel like it's hard for him to have those discussions with people unless they can relate to him in terms of value. At this point, he was probably more relatable, obviously, thirty years ago when he wasn't worth a quarter of a billion dollars, um, but. I, I when I say Jerry Seinfeld on this list, I, I try to have it be more of the '80s and '90s Jerry Seinfeld, right? Um, because he's kind of disappeared a little bit, but he's resurfaced. Like I said, the comedians in Cars getting coffee. If you're not a Seinfeld show fan, which um, I will still argue to this day, there would be no Friends popularity without Seinfeld. But that's a different story. Um, the, the comedian in cars getting coffee is a refresher on who Jerry Seinfeld is. And he's had a lot of, uh, I think, I think, uh, wasn't Tig was on one of the more recent, um, seasons with yeah. him as well. So, uh, I don't know. To me, he's just funny and pretty much everything that he does ends up being funny in some form or fashion. So he's kind of, I mean, uh, the show Seinfeld, the show Seinfeld is, I've always said is the best piece of entertainment or is the best piece of art. If you compare it to what's the second best thing in its in its sort of art form, it's better as a TV show than the second best show is more so than any album, any movie, anything ever. 
I mean, it's it's that much better than any other te television show in history. It's not even funny. And it is the number one thing that has shaped my life, maybe as a person, when it comes to uh, entertainment. Uh, it's just, when you meet someone that says that they don't like the show, I, I just want to throw them in a garbage bin. <laughs> like, you're just not, I have no use for you, don't, even slightly. Don't throw me into a garbage bin. <laughs> Uh, you don't it, say you don't like the show because it's perfect. It every episode, the the thing I love about it the most is that the most meaningless. Although you can tell when you watch the show, it's not meaningless. But like the most meaningless detail at the beginning, in the middle, picks up more meaning at the end. Like it just stacks upon itself. And then the episodes from these are these are shows that shouldn't build. They shouldn't have a, a basis on the episodes from three seasons ago, but they bring up the random, like if only you were a fan, like they bring up the random details from three episodes ago or three seasons ago. And it just, it makes it even more funny that if you were a fan of the show and you watched it and they bring up something, just a, a random off the cuff piece that it's something that they referenced from so long ago that it, it I don't know. It just, they find a way to stack things and build things. And it, it just, like you said, it's complete. It's complete without you realizing that it's complete and funny. I'm on. It had, it had almost no part of the reason uh, that I'm part of the reason that I'm so attracted to the sort of the show in its entirety is that when you take a show like Fargo, for instance, which season two of Fargo is the best season of te television I've ever seen, but Fargo has had a blueprint in front of it. Like it had all these other shows that had sort of taken the bullet for it. Like we can watch Mad Men or Breaking Bad now and be like, well, actually there's a bunch of stuff after this. It is even better than this, but it wouldn't have existed without the blueprint that Mad Men or Breaking Bad had. The thing about Seinfeld was there was nothing. They were just completely, it was like Babe Ruth hitting 60 home runs and the next best person having five home runs. You're like, how did this even, where did this come from? Like no one even knew how to hit a ball into the stands, let alone do it that much more often than, than it. that's the thing that baffles me about the show is that like anyone that tries to say that, like, cause I love wings. I, 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 there's shows in that time frame. news radio. It's a great show. But it's absolutely no way in the world that it's even ten, one tenth as good as Seinfeld. Mm. And that's and anyway, I'll stop now. About oh, that's, that's all right. <laughs> I, I always uh, try and compare. I, I never hated Seinfeld. I never yeah. loved. I just never it never connected. Uh, I, I try and I, I try and give the the example uh, uh, when I talk to my dad. He's a huge fan of Elvis. And, you know, ignoring some of the potential issues of where he got his music from. Um, yeah. I have to be able to recognize the importance of him as a figure, even though I don't like his music. And that's kind well, of... No, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, and unfortunately for Elvis, it's not just that he stole music from L Little Richard at all. He also was a gross guy, as yeah. is Jerry Seinfeld, frankly. But that's neither, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> I mean, I have a... Speaking of t tattoos, I've got Led Zeppelin on my right arm, and they were gross, also. So it's you know, a lot of it just was it, it just there's a lot of problems in history. I yeah. guess we could say. Yep. All right. Well, let's go to my my number three. Somebody that likes to talk about problems. Uh, <laughs> um, 
uh, I, I kind of I have two comedians. I, I, I don't tend to let out rage very often. It's all in my head. And it usually takes on the voice of, of a couple of comedians. Uh, one that didn't quite make the top 10 being Lewis Black. And then the other, um, uh, whenever I get mad, the voice that I hear is Bill Burr. And he is just he is just so sharp and is able to tackle subjects that people can't often talk about without becoming very emotional, but still being able to kind of engage in it and make it funny and have the impact, the hit go to him so that you can kind of engage in it is, is how I always felt. Um, he's, he's got some he's got some really great material. I, I always laugh when I watch his stuff. He always seems very real when when he talks about stories about his dog or his relationship or anything like that. It's, it, I, I can't help but enjoy enjoy his work wholly. Yeah, he's someone, again, that, you know, if you pulled comics, he might win. Um, he's right there. Uh, um, so my number two uh, is in my opinion, the greatest living male comedian, um, on earth, uh, another person, the third of the four, um, who are on the Mount Rushmore of the comedy attic. And that's J- Jimmy Pardo. Oh yeah. And he is, um, the thing I, I'm sort of known in comedy circles as someone that doesn't like crowd work. I don't really like when com- and what I mean by that is, is that the majority of the time when someone is talking to the audience, it's, it can be, it can be for reasons that we don't want to have, have happening at that time. Maybe the crowd is talking, maybe the crowd is bored. Maybe the, and the most notable reason is the comedian doesn't have time. Hmm. They have to fill the time with something. And there are people, Tig being another one, who are phenomenal at crowd work. And um, uh, with Jimmy, I've never met a person in my life who is funnier off the cuff. And it is unbelievable. It is the most fun weekend of the year when he comes to the club. Just spending time with him off stage. Like, I'm... It's it's funny because uh, Anthony J- Jesselnik mm-hmm. on a podcast on actually uh, you can probably find it on um, uh, Joe Rogan's podcast like sort of talks trash about me and says that like I part like it was an infuriating thing that like I was in the green room during the shows well anyone that knows me at all knows that like I could care less to ever talk to a comedian or really anyone. Like I I'm just, it's just not my deal to be starstruck or to care about it. Like we've had some of the most famous people that have been to the club in comedy. And it's just, it's not part of my life to care about that. And uh, spending that time with Jimmy is very unique in that I actually look forward to seeing him and look forward to our backstage banter and maybe unlike any other comedian. And um, so it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, it's really funny to be criticized. It's like, 
when you know some when people get criticized from both sides of something it's like you're not liberal enough and the people that are right wing think you're too liberal or whatever it's like you can't win i guess but (laughs) jimmy is honestly one he's maybe my best or second best friend in comedy and also the shows are just electric for the entire from start to finish there is just this sort of there's this electricity in the room that you don't get any other weekend. Um, my, uh, and my honorable mention here uh, is Jackie Cation, who hmm. is one of my favorite people as well and a great comic. So, yeah, I've, I've always loved Pardo. I, I was introduced to him back from the, the Bob and Tom show, uh, him being yeah. on there several times. And yeah. just, he, he made sure. the show infinitely better anytime he managed right. to pop on. All right, Richard, who's your number two? Uh, okay, so number two is is an easy one. We've mentioned him before, actually. Um, I have Mr. Dave Chappelle on here. Uh, now, in terms of, and, and you and I have had this discussion in terms of the comedy specials that have been watched or viewed or just an act that has been seen. And I, I, I unfortunately, I just haven't watched that many, but the few that i have most of them, most of them have been um dave chappelle's now some of the more recent ones um i've seen i prefer some of the older ones uh, more so than some of the newer ones but i think i i think his his humor his presentation his uh, his authenticity i think just resonates with me and and I, and I think be, before he did the the Chappelle show, which I think really could have been one of the best shows, had it been had he not gotten burned out, whatever the scenario was, because they were just getting warmed up through the first couple seasons, and he wasn't the only person that was writing those, right? So mm. like that that wasn't entirely just him, and I get that, but the humor that is in there is just when, when you can, when you can pull that one of the the best skits on there is the Wayne Brady skit. When you can get Wayne Brady of all people to do, to get that (laughs) and have that be presented, like he's not going to do that for just any comedian. He's not going to do that for anyone putting on a show. And Dave Chappelle, just, I think for his highs and lows, his highest high for that stretch. He was as high as high, as hot as hot as you're, I think you're going to see. Um, and I think it, it made him, maybe he got too high in terms of his success and how popular he was. And who, who knows, you know, the ultimate reason why he kind of backed out. He's, he's gone over right? it. He's, he's actually talked about it in a standup and, and what kind of caused him to go. Yeah. And, and it's just, but he's funny, right? He's just, he's, I, I don't know, to me, it's, it's hard to, des- to describe. And it goes back to maybe the, the toilet humor aspect of it, because that's not his genre, but it kind of is, in, in a sense, right? His, his funny is not everyone's funny, which is more of my funny, hmm. if, if that makes sense, right? So that's, he was very widely popular, but I just thought he, the stuff that he talked about and the way he presented it 
he took he took a little story and just made it his own story. You know, I just thought he was pretty fun. He's he's my number two also actually, um, and I think part of his strength is also his weakness. I mean, he's very real in the way that he presents stuff, but he does not filter. Um, and some of the things that he has put forward have have been taken very hurtfully by people, um, which is definitely not what you want to be remembered for. Uh, he has the skill that if he wanted to, he, he didn't, he didn't have to use some of the subject matter that he did, but he is undeniably one of the funniest people that I've, I've ever seen. And his storytelling skill is almost beyond compare. Talking about 846 earlier, if you're going in expecting comedy, that's not what it is. Not really, but it is moving. And so eloquently put together it shows what he is capable of not just in comedy but in just general oration and and connecting with people it's just phenomenal so i have a i have a i have a chappelle story so neil brennan who was the his basically they were the co-creators of chappelle's show he came to the club i don't know maybe 2011 2012 some somewhere in there he's funny and um he so dave lives in in uh C- columbus mm-hmm. uh uh you know not here not our C- columbus but columbus o- ohio and so just sort of offhandedly um neil was like i think dave's gonna come <laughs> to the show on saturday and i was like what the <laughs> you know he was like, he won't, he won't go up. Like, I'll just say that now he's not going to go up. So just, you know, he'll just hang out and he ended up not coming. And, but not that long after that, probably based on Neil telling him about the club, I get a phone call from Dave's agent. And he said, so Dave may want to come in this weekend and he'll pay your headliner to bump them. Um, and he's between doing your place and I think Denver. And if he flies to Denver, then he'll do Denver. If he stays home, then he'll go there. And he's like, I only need you to do one thing. And I just need you to call your city and make sure that he can smoke on stage. And yeah. so I did, I called the city and I was like, what do I do? And they're like, actually, this is, this happens, you know, from time to time at the Buzzkirk where it's like, it's part of a per- performance. You can do it. And uh, we were ready to like open the fire escape doors to make sure that like, you know, the smoke would circulate. Um, But he ended up not coming. But um, so uh, my number one comedian, and this is of no surprise to anyone who knows me, but you guys may may not know this. um, uh, In my opinion, uh, Maria Bamford is the greatest comedian of our lifetime and is just a person that I find to be the single most gifted human being that I've ever spent any time with in my life. And just someone who, when you say that someone has the whole package, for me, one of the things that matters the most in life is just being a good person and just, and you know, Maria, the first time she ever came here, she had like a joke writing workshop with our local comics on Saturday afternoon. Like, it's just like, we're sitting here all like, what is going on? And the second time that she came through was on the uh, unwanted thought syndrome tour, which in my opinion, the 
speaking of Mount Rushmore, which she, of course, is also on that. But the Mount Rushmore of comedy albums in history are Brian Regan Live, to me, is the best comedy album ever. Uh, Woody Allen's stand-up comic, as much as we don't want to admit that because of how gross that he is. Yeah. Uh, Albert Brooks' Comedy Minus Zero, or Comedy Minus One, and Maria Bamford unwanted thought syndrome are the four best comedy albums in history, in my opinion. And what to be able to have seen that album live and watch people who knew what was coming, the, just the amount of joy that's on people's faces that understand what she's trying to do. And then the amount of confusion, just general confusion on people's faces that didn't know what they were coming to. And for her to close the show on a joke about someone going to a comedy show without knowing who the comedian is, is just one of the most priceless things I've ever been a part of. And her entire joke is about how when she worked in an office, she would, they would get faxes from co- comedy clubs, like bring your whole office. Like it doesn't say who the comedian is. It's just, and <laughs> one of the things that I have spent the most time with in my life on the phone with customers where I'm like, you would never just go to the movies to see the next movie. Like no one has ever just been like, I'm going to go to the movie theater and whatever's playing next, I'm going to go, I'm going to watch it. It's just not something that anyone has ever done. And yet people do it with comedy all the time. It's like, you have no idea what you're getting into. Like what? So now some of that is kind of uh, a compliment that people will trust us. So when it happens here, it might be a little bit different, but when it happens like nationally, Mm. when it's just so weird because it doesn't make sense anyway, so I have a tie for my, so this would be, these haven't necessarily been in order, but my 10B and 10, or 10A and 10B. Gotta have the B side. Um, are uh, Kyle Kinane, nice. who probably should be on this list somewhere, I have to admit. And get Gary Goldman are oh, the two awesome. best comedians that did not make my list. Um, and gary especially is someone who should be doing amphitheaters and has to settle for 164 seat comedy club in bloomington he's been doing so it for a long he's been doing it for a long time i, I remember yeah. watching him back in back in college and kept right. and i was like man this guy is phenomenal i he's yeah. gonna make it big and it just never never happens like how is that possible uh but yeah, yeah. Mar- maria bamford she is she has a sweetness that you don't see in stand up that yeah. is just I, I how can you be that nice and still succeed in the way that she right. does she's she's open about the problems that she's had and 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 is able to kind of connect and yeah you know, the only time i think that I maybe ever whiffed on anything she, she did a series of uh, in home stand up uh bits that that i had a hard time kind of it may have just been the presentation, but every other thing that I've ever watched by her, it's just been phenomenal. And she's, yeah, she's great. What about you, Richard? All right. So this goes back to the asterisk that I had on number three, because for number one, I have Larry David. Ah. Um, 
And if you if you want to know, okay, so as much as I love Seinfeld, and if you like, I, I I say if you like Seinfeld, you'll like Curb Your Enthusiasm as well, and that's been on for ten seasons, whatever it is. Um, if you want to look at some behind the scenes numbers, just look at who actually has made the most money off of uh, Seinfeld, and it's not Jerry Seinfeld. It's Larry David. So the I think the comedy, the writing, because Larry Larry David started as a as a stand-up uh, and and he rolled into what you see now as a writer producer. But the actual comedy that's presented through Seinfeld, although it's Seinfeld, it's based on him as a comic, it's Larry David. Like he is a lot of the brains behind that show. He's obviously the brains behind uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. And sometimes you just got to follow the money to see where all that power really is. Larry David's worth almost half a billion dollars. It's absurd how much money that dude's worth. Uh, but he's just, he's just, he's just funny. In Seinfeld, he's there. You see him. He, he's not. He, he's um, not prominent, not prominent um, in one of the episodes. He's um, he's the gosh, he's a lawyer with the cape. Right. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he has no dialogue. You just see him off in the distance. Uh, he is the voice of. Uh, Generation. Uh, yeah, that too. Uh, Steinbrenner. Right. So when you when you see the interactions with that, like he Seinfeld is really the brainchild of of Larry David. Curb your enthusiasm is the same thing as well. He's just a why is he so funny? I don't know. It just his humor just kind of resonates with me, and it comes from all the stuff built into Seinfeld. It comes from the Curb your enthusiasm stuff, um, and I. I know he's just, it's like he, he shouldn't be funny because he's awkward. He's an awkward person. And but that I can feel be like that's a persona that's presented, but in reality, he's actually awkward like that. Um, I mean, Gilbert Gottfried made a whole act out of that kind of, that kind of awkward interaction. I mean, not in the same way, but uh, having those, those strong personality quirks is, is what some, what people can latch onto. Yep. And he he just has a he has the brains and the means to put it together to just really do pretty much everything that's really funny. So I don't know. I, I just felt I just felt those those two in this realm and my realm are very similar pieces, very, very similar parts. Um, but since he's the one that you know money talks and he's the one that has more of it, I put him at number one. <laughs> Uh, you've actually already mentioned my number one, uh, uh, Jared, uh, and I, I got I got to go with John Mulaney. I mean, he is. I can consistently watch his stand up over and over and over and over, and I never get tired of it. The delivery, the subject matter, the the connection that he can make, the relatability. 
the fact that he has a lot of little dorky in jokes, uh, the his love of theater coming through and a lot of things. And it's just, it's, it's what you wish your best friend class clown was like going to high school. Um, and, and it's just, uh, that is who I would want to sit next to all the time. And his, his, his performances have just been on point. And I, I, I never lull. I never get, like I said, I never get tired of it. If you have not seen uh, Kid Gorgeous at Radio City or the Comeback, uh, Comeback Kid or New in Town, it's just, it's just one funny thing after another. It's just awesome. I love that dude. What was the most recent special? I think that was Kid Gorgeous at Radio City. Yeah. So, again, I have a I have a John Mulaney story. So, uh, so getting ready for that for that for that special, he came to the Comedy Attic that that summer, and um, first night, first show, he closes on the Trump horse loose in a hospital joke. And I, I saw people physically fall off their chairs. Um, and he comes back into the green room. And this was a Thursday night. He comes back into the green room. And I say, dude, that Trump closer is unreal. And he said, thanks, man. I wrote that joke on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> that, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, this is crazy, you know? And also, you know, like a Trump joke is kind of, you know, it's out. Yeah. You know, it's too too easy. I mean, the guy is just, there's never been a bigger bu- buffoon in the history of the world for any reason. And so people just stay away from it unless you're like a hacky comic. Right. So to have the who would clearly win the gold medal for the best living stand-up comedian tackle a Trump joke and have it be that amazing is just it's really hard. Now I want to ask you guys: Did you guys not realize that women existed? <laughs> well, it, it's kind of. Fun. I want to. It's funny I wanted to you say, say that, that too. My list is pretty. Uh, I I had a hard time doing this doing this list. Women are people. Just yeah. in case you were wondering, if you're looking at like, well, let's talk about a couple of my honorable mentions. One of the honorable mentions that I had that was just just short of the top ten, uh, Michelle Wolf was was almost I in mean, there because she's honestly phenomenal. the fact that she's not on my honorable because I've seen her do. I mean, she was here right after the roast, like right after or the I say the roast right after the uh, the the president, whatever mm-hmm. it's called. Um, and yeah, she's pretty gifted. She is There's awesome. I like Ilza Schlesinger quite a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, she, she, she ranks pretty high. I've been a huge fan of Wanda Sykes for a long mm-hmm. time. Sure. Uh, so I, it's, it's one of those things that it's like, man, they're there, but it's, it's once it gets to the very top 10, who made me laugh the most? It's, I can't tell you why it just didn't end up happening, but there's no doubt about it. There are just some just damn. Well, and I said this earlier, if there was ever any doubt in my mind that my initial sort of view as a young person, that Julia, that Julia Louis Dreyfus was, was if I ever had a doubt that she was the driving force of Seinfeld, which I believe that she was, yeah. I feel like that Veep, which is the second best comedy that I've ever seen, uh, 
sort of solidifies it. So certainly if we were doing a comedic actor list, she would be my number one. She's, I don't think there's any questions about it. And you guys did hit on a lot of really great, you know, comics as well. I, I'm joking. I I know. I know. That's the thing is that like when you get, it's really, it's, it's really an interesting thing to say though, is that, when we first opened the club, that wasn't the stuff I was thinking about. I wasn't thinking about, I just wanted to be like, well, who are the funniest people? And then you realize when you have the power to book whatever you want, you can shape it and you don't, and you don't think about it and you don't sort of think about how do you make sure that everyone is included? Then I would never know that best selling is that great of a comic. I wouldn't have known that J- Janelle James is as great as she is if I just was like, well, I really like this person, this person, this person. And, and usually at being a young man, we all mostly listen to young or listen to straight white men in comedy. I mean, my favorite comic, you know, there was a time when, when I actually listened to Andrew Dice Clay. It's <laughs> embarrassing to even mentioned that i ever thought that that was funny but very quickly i you know i like i said er earlier you know i found judy gold i found paula poundstone i found people who were just making observations about things that were not screaming which Mm -hmm. is what dice clay was doing brett butler so right she was i mean again like in that early era the on the you know the uh, the A and E and evening at, at the Improv was really my first ever thing that I watched for stand up, and there's so many great comics that came from that. Yeah, definitely. So it's it's so hard, and 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 almost my top fifty. Well, okay, not counting the top four because they they kind of stand hands hands yeah. above everybody else, sure. but almost everybody else is so close in, in a lot of ways in in skill it's level. It, I it's mean, hard. It, uh, and in fact, some of my lists, including my honorable mentions, a lot of it is just based on who's been here most recently. Because for John Mulaney not to make my list, I, I, I feel like it's kind of cheating because he's so good that I don't even really – He's it's like, you know, having a like a major leaguer in, in your batting lineup when you're in a high school team. It's right. like you don't even think about this even possible. So because he probably is sort of like – the number one stand-up comic in, yeah. in the world at, at at the moment. So, well, this anyway. has definitely been eye-opening, and it's, and it's great to get kind of a, a like I said to get a perspective of a club owner that works with the talent regularly. Because I try and stay current, I try and stay knowledgeable about the different yeah. people that are in the industry because I have a genuine love for stand-up comedy, and and it's just it's such such a great art form, and and. Uh, should really be enjoyed i feel more than than it really is i mean so it's, it's nice to kind of get that um finger on the pulse side of it a little bit more rather than what what we sometimes get down the line especially if i haven't had the chance to to go to the clubs as much uh, recently as i have in the past right. um but uh i want to thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing I some of your it. picks We'll definitely I mean, have fact, to do. like you. My brain works in lists, yeah. and this is like a thing that I'm known for with everyone that knows me. Like my lists, I always do lists on Facebook during the during the quarantine. I did the best 80 minutes, which is basically roughly 
um, the amount of, of time that I need for a playlist at the club. I did the best 80 minutes of every year of the eighties and then made a, uh, for music and then made a best of the, 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 the n number one and two songs from each year to make in the one sort of best of the eighties. And then I did a Pixar or I'm sorry, a Disney uh, bracket, nice. like a 64 seed bracket. <laughs> Uh, so my mind works the way that your podcast is. So it's been always a, it's an, I love doing this. So I would love to come back. Well, so. definitely. We're going to do at some point, we're going to do the top 10, uh, deceased comedians in yeah, history. Sure. So we're definitely going to do that. And well, if you take a look, you might get a kick out of, um, we've got something called the, uh, pop, uh, culture death count. Uh, if, if your okay. mind works at that. So we've start, we started, well, we, me mostly, because this is what yeah. I did with my my time in, in quarantine is I was re-watching through Supernatural since the new season was coming out. Yeah, and yeah. it's like I, the question, how many people have died in that show? So I looked it up online. I found a couple of answers and none of them seemed right. It's like that's woefully too low and that, that doesn't yeah. seem right either. So, okay, here's every death that has been in wow. Supernatural. Uh, so That's I'm crazy. doing that with TV shows, movies. Here's a true count because we kind of become numb to it. How much death is there, really? So that's that's kind of kind of what it is there. But yes, we will definitely want to have you back. And thank you so much. And you. Uh, any final thoughts, Richard? Uh, I like the variety on the list. I think that I mean, my like I said, mine was boring. But we got three Shot. different perspectives in terms of the list, right? We got, we got, I think, so many different perspectives. And I don't know, did our our lists only crossed over really one time? I think he, we had Chappelle on there. Yeah, for, number two. For that. So he, anybody that's listening to this, um, you know, you can hear some of these names and say, like, I remember that or I want to watch that again. And then you hear some names like, I've never heard of that person. And now I want to go listen to that person. That is so definitely what you it, should do. You get a little bit of everything out of all 30 of the people that we have discussed. Yeah. 29. <laughs> well, until next time, uh, definitely keep that in mind. Watch some stuff on streaming. See what you think is funny and comedy. And once it becomes, uh, once it becomes possible, and you got to go to the comedy attic. Uh, it, it is such a great uh, venue. It's, it's, cozy and it's fun and you get to get a chance to get a night out and see some really funny people and uh and support an art farm that is just kind of underappreciated sometimes 